Welcome to the Esports Network Podcast. We discuss everything, anything esports, gaming related, whether that's the personalities, the players, coaches, the organizations, the executives, and all that and more. Of course, the big old industry growing constantly by the minute. And someone who's on the forefront of that is really trying to help develop that content creation pipeline. That's kind of revolutionary, really. So let's bring him on right now. Welcome to Stephen Ellis, the co-founder, CEO of Pipeline GG, previously known as Snoopy. Uh, Steven, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I, I think it's an honor to have you on. So thank you again for taking time out of your hugely busy schedule to you know talk to a little podcast like us. Kevin, no, I absolutely appreciate it. I mean, thank you for having the platform for me to, to come on and chat about what we're doing and what I've done. Um, to your point, I've seen a lot of different aspects of the industry over the last decade. Um, and frankly, I, my, my career started in this industry. So excited to, to talk about that. From a young lad all the way up to the, the, the big executive seats, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a transformation. So in case you don't know, Snoopy, of course, former League of Legends pro out of Europe and, and into North America, you've worked with various content creator uh, and, and, and platforms like Facebook in terms of partnerships. Currently, board of director for the LCS Player Association, I believe, as well as, of course, the current endeavor with Pipeline. Also, just, you know, Forbes 30 under 30 for 2020. That's, you know, a little little nugget right there. Nothing nothing too big, right? And if you don't know, Pipeline launched 2019, helping creators, uh, you know, kind of with the resources they have at their hands, giving them that opportunity to grow and become, you know, real fully fledged uh, streamers for careers. It's, it's an awesome thing there. So I guess let's start with the first question, right? You're a former pro from League of Legends. What caused you to like think twice about coming back to play after your last season i mean what was the motivating factor in telling yourself that it was it was okay to step away and pursue something else a different career than being a pro player yeah i mean being a pro is obviously the dream right for for any kid who's growing up playing games like the idea of getting paid to play video games for a living is is the dream and I lived that dream, you know, I, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. We're competing at the very top. At, at the time we were playing, there was a hundred million people playing League of Legends mm. every month. I don't know what the exact number is today, but it's probably around that ballpark. And we're having to stay in this, the top 100 in the world every week. Mm. And we did that for over four years. And that was not easy. It required a lot of, <laughs> a lot of practice, a lot of, and, and frankly, a lot of sacrifice, right? Like mm. I completely, like, there's a lot of areas of my life that I completely sacrificed to to be that and do that. And it was incredibly rewarding. I got to travel the world. I was a small town kid from Scotland and I got to travel to over 40 countries around the world. I competed wow. in three different continents. Um, we got third at the world champion, not quite first, but we got third in the world championships. Mm-hmm. And I came to this point towards the, it was in the end of my time at, as, as being a pro and I was, I was kind of having this reflection on, on life, quite frankly, was... I was seeing some of my peers retire and I was especially in other games like CS and and Starcraft because I kind of grew up with a lot of them and I saw them kind of moving on to other things. And I had this reflection about, you know, what, who am I, what am I doing? Where, where did I fit in life? And it was just a realization that I had a lot of room for growth in different areas of my life. Mm. Uh, And I could keep competing. um, But I was ready for that next, that next step, you know, like wh- what is, what is next for me? And what's often the case is you go either you be talent, right? You'll mm-hmm. see a lot of my peers kind of went into the talent space. They'll either be a commentator, they'll be a streamer, they'll be, um, maybe they might even, um, can consult with like various, or they'll go into an org or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the other ones, you know, maybe you don't hear from them. Like they just didn't neglected their brand or their career or that other part of them. You don't hear from them again. Uh, that happened to frankly, too many of my peers. Um, I actually don't know what they're doing, which is sad to be honest. Uh, and for me, I, I, there was an opportunity to either be talent or be, uh, learn on the business side. And that was the site that I, I was passionate about that before I went to school for computer science and business management. I've always been fascinated about business. And I felt like there was an opportunity to, to learn a lot more and have a lot of impact on the business side, bringing the unique insights that I had from being on the player side, the talent side. Mm. I mean, this is, we had Ocelot on the show a few weeks ago and he brought up like literally the exact same points that you're bringing up that, you know, we just kind of got to a point where at some point you felt like you weren't either being challenged enough or that the, the playing career was just kind of, kind of, you know, it dried up for you a little bit. You saw the people moving on other things and you kind of want to do something else. And so I guess you, you had a great career playing, you know, Europe, North America, like you mentioned, three different continents, of course, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment, accomplishment for any, any pro player. I mean, what lessons did you end up taking away from your pro days and did that you, you took with you into your new career path, moving into this business management, this executive role you have now with pipeline? What lessons do you look back on and think, wow, that's like, I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to learn this while I was a player and not while I was, you know, the head of a business somewhere. There's so many things that I learned and there's also so many I've yet to unpack that I yeah. learned. Um, just given the intensity of those, you know, four years, it was extremely intense. Um, there's a lot that I'm still unpacking that I've gained, you know, like benefits um, yeah. from that. I think a couple of like one of them is definitely the obsessiveness. Um, the relentless obsessiveness about being the best is carried into everything I've done since then. Uh, when you, when you have that level of focus and you, you want to become the best at something for me, then it was video games. There's a lot that you will do. Um, some of that's healthy, some of it's not healthy. Um, <laughs> but it can reap the rewards, right? That singular focus. And very few people can have that level of focus and intensity around something. And I definitely, when I was playing, had that, and there's, I can't say I've had it at every part of my career. Like that would be a lie to say that. Like, it, but there's, I can very much have a reference point for a level of intensity that I had during that period that has carried into different aspects of my career. Um, there's definitely times at Facebook where, when I was working at Facebook, I can I can point to that intensity. And there's now a pipeline with what we're building a pipeline. I have this like intensity and drive to create something that has not been done before. Um, and that is definitely a big takeaway is that differentiates you from everyone else is when you can have, bring that level of intensity and, and passion towards something. The other is the, um, you know, in our game, we're just League of legends is a five V five. So I had teammates. I had to learn these are massive egos <laughs> and I had big egos on my team yep. and you had to learn to work with those egos. And that the same is true in business. You know, there's, um, when I was working at Facebook, there was very competent people working at Facebook and they have their own thoughts and stories and egos. And you have to be able to manage and work with that. The same, um, w one of the things that you, you learn and, and I continue to learn is people have strengths and weaknesses, you know, it's just fact. Yeah. Um, you can't, no one's perfect. And I didn't appreciate that as much in my early days as a player. I appreciated much more in my, the latter half of my time as a player. 
And it's something I bring into the business world is, you know, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses and you got to be able to understand that. Um, especially now in my role, I mean, I'm, I have a company of 20 people and we're, we're growing fast mm-hmm. and I need to recognize that, you know, there's players on the team and it's a team effectively. Right. And they all have strengths and weaknesses. And I got to be mindful of that and um, help people lean into their strengths and um, help them be aware of their weaknesses and where they have opportunities to be better. Uh, so a lot of that is carried from the playing days. Um, what else have I learned from the, from the competing side? I, I, one thing I definitely would say that is an advantage, I think, is given the platform I had as a player and given the connections I was able to make during my time as a player, many of those have continued into my career mm. uh, following that. Uh, I was very conscious of not being an ass and being a good guy and getting and, and you know getting on with people when I was was playing and you've got a lot of people um, around you in the when you're a player there's there's a massive kind of circle around you mm-hmm. um, and you know just being a good guy like carries a lot of weight um, <laughs> and, and I feel like I don't want to over speak I felt like I was a good guy and like uh, now coming full circle in the business world a lot of those relationships um, that I built when I was playing are still strong today and we're talking you know six to eight years later. Wow. That's, I mean, that's impressive. Nonetheless, just have a six year friendship or partnership with somebody you've met over, you know, a a while ago. And so obviously that competitive drive you brought with you from your playing day, playing career kind of helped turn you into this business executive today. And obviously former jungler, right? You gotta, you make the shot calls half the time and in business, you make the shot calls too. And it's important to kind of realize you have to delegate certain things to your teammates, right? Not just in your pro career, but also in business. And so, I mean, you, you moved on, from your career playing into that more business oriented angle. I mean, between that gap of playing and, 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 you know, pipeline and Facebook, what opportunities found you or, or that you found yourself that made it a new challenge for you to overcome that kind of drove you to keep going in that direction? I th- one thing I want to take with that question is I had interesting opportunities that I didn't take. Yes. Um, <laughs> and what was fascinating was I found myself getting, because of what I'd accomplished as a pro, getting all these different opportunities, and I actually hated it, like, <laughs> which sounds crazy, right? But, like, I worked so damn hard for being a small-town kid in Scotland to be on this, like, global stage, and I was like, everything I, I that comes to me, it has to be hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to work for it. And the fact that I was getting these different opportunities, I was like, this is too easy. I don't want it. Um I've gotten more mature about things as you know, I've gotten older, <laughs> but at that time I definitely said no to things that were very exciting opportunities that I chose not to pursue because I wanted to, I felt I had to learn more to learn. Um, in terms of things, I mean, you know, directly after being a player, I had this, there was the option to join a larger company, uh, say like Riot Games, mm-hmm. or there was go to a startup that was much riskier. I felt that by throwing myself in the startup environment, I would have way more to learn. Um, so that was just before Facebook. I did a year at a startup in Seattle. And that was just a chance for me to get in the deep end and learn and see what I liked in the startup world and wear many different hats um, to to evolve. And I think one thing that um, has been true to me is being humble and, and knowing what I don't know and putting myself in opportunities to learn as much as possible. Like mm-hmm. I am a voracious learner. Like I, I seek that out as much as I can. And, and that is something that I would advise anyone in their career is to, to never be complacent and be extremely hungry to learn. It will serve you very well. And it has served me very well. Um, mm. When I think about hiring people, if, if someone's a know-it-all, 
I'm a little sad um, <laughs> because I don't think anyone can conceivably know everything. Um, yeah. Is is so important that you you have a learning mindset and a hunger to learn. But right. I think that goes back to you as well because you know you're 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 a former player. A big thing of being a, not just you know a, a former esports player, but also just a traditional sports athlete is that ability to be coached, that ability to be you know to to learn something from somebody else, from a mentor, from a, a, a peer who's coming to you with you know hey maybe you should look at doing this instead of that. And a lot of it can just come down to that trial by fire mentality. Like I don't know what I, I don't know exactly what this will, will will happen if I do this. Let's try it. Let's see what happens, and I'll, I'll be better for it. And like you said, that startup kind of role. Many hats have to be worn at the same time. It's it's a difficult thing to kind of keep in mind once you're in that startup phase of of a, of a company. And so, uh, a former startup that you worked at was was Facebook, which I don't know if if it was a startup by the time you were there, but it was definitely on its out of out of the way of the startup. But at Facebook, you met with a very important streamer, Stone Mountain sixty four, who was then and still is you know super popular content creator. He had two million subscribers on on YouTube, I believe, and you convinced him to take. A revol- then revolutionary stance of streaming on Facebook. How did that exact talk and meeting go down between you and Stone Mountain? I'm, I'm curious how that kind of meeting and, and conversation went down. Yeah, to be clear, um, Facebook approached me to run their esports division, mm-hmm. and I realized that you know esports at the time wasn't big enough an opportunity for Facebook to really bite into it. And selfishly, I wanted one of the biggest companies in the world to give a shit about games. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. Games had given me so much in my career that I wanted to make that happen. And that led to me taking over our gaming video strategy at Facebook, which included live video and VOD. Uh, and I remember pitching to, to Zuck and the rest of the management team at Facebook, hey, we're um, building, uh, we want to build this video platform um, and we are going to need a lot of resources to do it. And that's one thing I will um, encourage anyone in their career to think about is think big. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that I learned a lot of Facebook. It's just the scale they operate is unfathomable. Um, but we we got the resources and, and we set it to build. Um, you know, our team grew substantially and we got a, a content acquisition budget to start building the platform. And I was with a room of content creators in Los Angeles in partnership with EA. There was 300 creators in that room. Wow. <laughs> and was talking to them and I was like, hey, we're building this thing with Facebook. I, I joined in 2016 um, and we were many years behind Twitch and many years behind YouTube and still are. But I was telling them about what we're building and I was saying we're investing in it, like get excited. And the majority of that room was not that excited. Mm. And I'm like, I'm blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> I'm pouring my heart into this thing behind the scenes. Like I am determined to build something for them. And we didn't have any way to monetize. We had low uh, video quality with 40p video. And um, we didn't really have a reputation in the gaming space. Like Facebook was notoriously not cool at that point. So most of them didn't really care. But one guy in particular did. And and his name is Stoneman64. He's now my co-founder Pipeline. He He was a YouTuber and had a couple of videos go viral on Facebook. So he saw the potential. He didn't see how it all fit in at that point, but he saw the potential and he was interested. And that began our friendship. You know, we started co-developing a lot of the product and platform um, and programs at Facebook. Uh, and that started in 2016 and we've been building since. He's been now at Facebook for the last four or five years. Yeah. Um, and holds his own compared to other top creators on platforms like Twitch or YouTube. You know, he's, he's crushing it. He's got over 6 million followers now across a variety of platforms. Wow. Um, 
and has really set the standard of what you can accomplish, at least in North America, of mm-hmm. what you can ap- accomplish on Facebook. No, for sure. So obviously, you already mentioned it. You already kind of already segued into my next question, which was you you kind of partnered with Stone Mountain 64. You joined forces, you co-found Pipeline. And so how did that idea come about? How did you and, and Stone Mountain kind of workshop this content creation resource platform where you could help up and coming streamers, up and coming platform, uh, or excuse me, content creators and give them resources to help them become, you know, these career streamers. What, when did that idea come about for you guys? So it, it actually traces its, its roots back to 2015 when we started working on the esports player resource center. Mm. Um, and the idea behind that was I learned so much and made so many mistakes as a player that I wanted to help the next generation of pro players. The big thing that I learned from that experience was we tried to do that as a volunteer effort. We tried to do it pro bono. This was a free resource that any creators could use and everyone was working on it pro bono. That was hard to make work. I learned a big lesson about <laughs> pro, pro bono. Uh, while it's exciting and everyone's you know engaged in the offset, it, it's hard to have the right incentive for people to continue. Um, so that was the kind of initial nugget that um, informed Pipeline. The second thing was myself and David were having a conversation about the industry and when you're at the very top, so I made it to the very top, David is at the very top now, you have an army around you. You have agents, managers, CFPs, CPAs, uh, lawyers, nutritionists, psychologists. <laughs> like There is now an army around you when you're at the very top. And that's mostly because there's a financial incentive for them to be there. They're either taking 10 to 20% of a deal that they're getting you or they're charging you hundreds of dollars an hour. Now, when you're just starting out or you're on the way up as a content creator, there's no help hmm. because there is no incentive. Um, at least no, there, there's definitely like resources you can Google on and like find certain things on YouTube and things like that. But there is no dedicated business like this trying to help you. And myself and Stone were getting asked every single week for help from new content creators or our peers that were trying to like, hey, I've got this esports team coming to me. Can you help me think through this deal? Or... Um, I am getting offered this contract from this platform, or I'm thinking about launching a merch line. Should I, should I, should I not? And those are hard. Those are like questions that if you don't have a manager or an agent, it's hard to get the answers to them. Mm-hmm. And frankly, myself and David couldn't sit on a call like this and we couldn't, you know, have this conversation 30 times a week. It just wasn't scalable. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind pipeline was, can we create something that's bigger than myself and David? And can we help the next generation of content creators and through that, build a strong content creator middle class. Like, can we help anyone make a living doing what they love through content creation? And we have conviction that we can do that. Um, we believe that there is a path to do that. And we've got a lot of success over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still early on our journey, but we have had a lot of success over the last two years. And we, by this, again, coming back to my original point around obsessiveness and focus, we are so focused on helping new and aspiring content creators turn this into a career that we are going to be the best in the world at it. For sure. And at the same time, it helps when you, when you monetize it a little bit, right? Cause pro bono, it's uh, it's great for, for, for biggest lesson. Biggest yeah. lesson was there has to be, like, you have to be a business model that can be sustainable and allow us to grow to, we couldn't have 20 people on our team, right? If we mm. didn't have a business model. Um, so that, that is important that there is a sustainable business model built in there. And for the first two years of pipeline, it was self-funded by myself and David. Hmm. 
No, for sure. And so I, mean, I want to go back to that, that the first kind of few years of pipeline before you guys really started to see any gains at that startup phase. I mean, how difficult is it exactly f- during that initial startup phase, right? Like it's, it's you, it's you're either working from home or you're working at some rinky dink office somewhere. Were there any down moments when it came to successes oh, or, or lack Kevin, thereof? Kevin, it's f- terrifying. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because I consider myself a confident guy and I, believe I've learned a lot and had a lot of experience and was well equipped to go start pipeline. But the phase between the idea and the actually building it and shipping it. So we, we started in, in kind of late 2018 um, and then started uh, building the MVP myself and uh, Stone and we shipped it in, in May uh, 2019. At that phase is absolutely terrifying, mm. right? Like I, it's, I can't explain the emotional roller coaster. There's excitement. But then there's like, you're starting to get into the building. You're like, holy shit, it's hard to build something. And then you go, wait, what if no one wants this? And then you go, what, wait, what if no one would actually like, okay, if they want it, but they won't even pay for it. So I don't have a business here. So like, what am I doing? There's a lot of a roller coaster that you go on through that period. And thankfully, I'm on the other side of all of that. But there is absolutely doubt and fear and, um, you know, existential questions you're asking yourself. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. Um I have a a responsibility, right? We have bills to pay. There's, there's all of that going on in parallel to you having this wacky, crazy idea about changing the industry. Oh man, I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's tough to put into words, you know, that idea of like your wife will support you no matter what. Right. But that decision will always like be in the back of her head. Like, is he making the right one? Is, is this going to work out for us in the long run? It's, it's a lot of unanswered questions. It's, it's, it's like, it's a mini leap of faith, right? You have all the, the parameters set. You have all the, the, the information in front of you. What you don't have is the actual, like the physical, the money coming in, the, the actual successes being, you know, concrete in your face. And so I mean, like starting your own business in, in general, it's challenging. And so based on your experience, right? It's, 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 100% challenging, but was it that you're on the other other end of it now? So I'm sure you can say it's worth it. But for the people out there who are questioning, like, should I pursue this idea? Like, what did it take for you to say, like, this is an okay thing to pursue despite all the crap you went through? It was, it was rewarding in and of itself. Yeah. I think one, one question is on the other side of that phase, mm-hmm. not on the other side of like, I'm not, you know, we're, we have not, no, no, no. Yeah. Riot's level of success or Facebook level of success. There's still a long road ahead yes. of us um, to go. So still very much in it, but the thing that I would advise if you're thinking of starting something is it's, it's some, I would recommend you have some sort of personal connection to whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you think something's a cool opportunity, like, and you know, you can do it. It's so hard that if you don't have a personal connection to it or a reason for it, it will make it hard to go through those ups and downs. Um, so I would, I would absolutely recommend that. And the other thing I would recommend is if you can just ship, ship your first iteration as quick as you can, mm. it will force you to learn. Uh, and this is something like we advise content creators today when they're thinking of becoming content creators go live, go post your first YouTube video, like get your feet wet um, and go through all that discomfort and do it a couple of times. Like, so that's, if, if you like the example of that is also in, in um, building something is like, is trying to be open about it. Like at the end of the day, there's this, this kind of veil around secrecy. Like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone what I'm building. Cause you know, maybe they'll copy it and they'll go do it. It There's such a different, a, a gap between the, 
the idea and the execution that if you think someone could execute you and you don't think you can actually go execute and do this better than anyone else, maybe you shouldn't do it. Mm. And this, the, 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 the element of secrecy is not going to protect you um, from it being successful. Mm. No, for sure. And it's also uh, maybe it's a case of like mini embarrassment for somebody to keep it hidden away and they don't want to either be laughed oh, you at. Get, yeah, you got, you got to get over that, that, that part. And, and that, I mean, I dealt with that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, spent six, six, seven years building a reputation in this industry and had a lot of peers and, you know, uh, was very much putting myself out there building something like Pipeline. It hadn't been done before in our industry. We didn't have loads of resources, you know, when we first mm-hmm. started. And the very first thing we shipped, I wasn't proud of. Mm. I feel like it, you, you've got an end state that you want to get to, right? But we had to, we had to ship. We had to get something out there to validate that this was something worth building. And that is, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. But you got to get over that. I mean, but that goes back to the, the, the trial by fire thing, right? If you, if you don't put it out there, you don't know what you're doing wrong. You don't know what's, what's exactly you need to fix. You kind of have to, to put it out there, reevaluate, fix it, ship it out again, and then kind of just do that over and over and over again until you have a successful product, right? So, I mean, so Steve, let, let's talk about pipeline, right? Let's get, let's get into it, right? The, the pipeline at score is, is it's a business as a service kind of thing. What kind of resources do you provide? Like, let's get nitty gritty. What kind of resources do you provide to helpful and growing streamers? And how do they, how can they best utilize it? Is this like a case of you only get out as much as you put in kind of grind? Like you're not going to make somebody, you know, a a hundred million subscriber streamer overnight. It it takes work on the part of somebody who's actually paying for these resources, right? Absolutely. Um, I I think that there's a misconception um, about this idea of being viral or going famous overnight. And at Pipeline, we're, it's not to say it's impossible, but we're we're not saying that's the case for the majority of people. It's really important that this is hard work to become a content creator. And there's a level of discipline and commitment and understanding that you have to have of this industry and what it takes um, to actually be successful. Uh, the The core premise of Pipeline is we believe that we can build a strong content creator middle class. Mm. And we do that through education primarily is, is kind of the first step of what we're doing is sharing a lot of insights from established content creators that are further ahead and different subject matter experts. So we might bring in like a lawyer, we might bring in someone who works at Twitch or someone who works at Riot or someone who works at a brand or an agent. We will bring in all these different industry experts to share you share with you tips and, and, and tricks about how to navigate the industry. We have a lot of um, emphasis on telling you what not to do in the beginning. Um, it's so tempting as a new new creator to like, I got to do everything. I got to master Twitch. I got to master YouTube. I got to master TikTok. I got to master YouTube shorts. I got to, I got to start a podcast. Okay. I should launch a merch lane. I'm one month into this. It's clearly time to launch a merch lane. <laughs> These are all things that like content creators think they need to like part of it is, telling no you don't um you also don't have to spend five thousand dollars on gear at the beginning you don't even know if you like it yet so why are you spending five grand on gear um these types of things so a heavy focus on the education and we do that um some of that is self-serve and then some of that we actually do live the second big part of pipeline is the community that we have <laughs> um you know we we felt it was really important to build a space for content creators to connect because there it doesn't really exist um today not in a professional capacity 
like if I want to go talk to another content creator, like I ping them on Twitter and say, Hey, I hope you would follow me. Like, you know, and then it's like this weird exchange goes back and forth. So we wanted to create this dedicated space for you to meet new, um, other content creators and then create opportunities for you to collaborate and kind of go on that journey together. Again, your friends and family typically don't get it when, when you tell them, Oh, I'm going to be a content creator. They're like, you're like going to be a what? Like, cool, I guess. So you're going to get a real job right at the same time. This is a community of thousands of other people that get exactly what it's like to go through this journey. Um, so we've created this incredible space for you to meet other creators around the world and different games and different platforms and at different stages. There's people that are ahead of you. There's people that are behind you. It's, it's a great um, community that we built. And we also build um, lightweight tools and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the tools we built is to make it easy for you to turn your 16 by nine video into nine by 16 mm-hmm. and get your content on, you know, uh, YouTube shorts or on TikTok or on Instagram stories. So lightweight tools like that. Um, we'll build, uh, that's one of the ones we built. We'll build more. And then the other part is the services side, mm-hmm. which is as you grow as a content creator, your needs change. So you might want to get your, assets designed like you might want your logo made or you might want branding on your stream you might want video editing support or you might need a cfp to help you do your taxes or cpa sorry Um, or you might need a lawyer to review a contract because you're thinking of signing something with a brand Uh, we help give you access to those resources within pipeline as well Mm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of all encompassing things that you as, as from personal experience, I'm sure you and some Mountain 64 have kind of figured out and kind of from other uh, streamers as well, not just YouTube, but you know, it's, it's a whole kind of process of figuring out what needs have to be met and what kind of community needs to be built. And so a big part of that was of course the networking kind of community aspect of it. Um, from your personal experience, uh, how, how important was that or is that networking aspect of content creation for collaborations for, you know, help with taxes, help with lawyers, uh, this networking aspect seems like it's a huge part of just kind of figuring out who you can count on to help you along the way. Right. It's critical. Uh, and you'll see this, I mean, obviously myself and David have first-hand experience of what we've gone through and, and go through at the very top of the industry. Um, but you'll see it in other content creators as well. We work with a bunch of those, a bunch of them invested in Pipeline. Um, but you'll see whether it's, say it's like, you know, Tim the Tatman playing with Dr. Disrespect. Like, it is so, they're, they're collaborating to create unique, interesting content, right? Mm-hmm. Because they just them playing themselves all the time is not that fun. So they create the interesting collaboration opportunities for them to enhance their own content. Um, because that's more engaging and that's what their their fans want. Um, on the other side, like someone at like Mr. Beast level, they have, he has 50 people on payroll. There's an army around him, right? And it, you don't need that at the very beginning, but as you grow, you're a, you're, you're a business at the end of the day and you need to treat your company as a business and you need to think about resource allocation, you need to think about where your expenses are, where your opportunities are, what things you're going to invest in or not invest in, where your time's going to go. And all of those are things that we help you think through as you grow as a content creator. Mm. No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough road to go at it. But I think once you get to a point where you, you can collaborate with others, it, it's, it changes the game immensely, just from what I've seen and from what uh, people have told me in, in, in their streaming journeys, how they've kind of developed that kind of uh, collaboration network, if you will. It's hugely important. And, and I'm sure you yourself, you meet people on, on a daily basis who are kind of like they don't really understand it. 
all that well or people who try to understand it, but they, they still don't get the right idea. Right. So uh, what kind of misconceptions are out there that, you know, for about streamers, about content creators, about anybody that you kind of have to help, you know, demystify, deconstruct, disprove for these people? Like, is it just like, oh, it's not as simple as picking up a mouse and keyboard and streaming. It's a little bit more than that. Right. Yeah, I think when specifically streaming, um, what you won't realize is like 80% of the work happens off camera. Um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes to put that stream on consistently on a, on a regular basis and a lot that creators are doing behind the scenes. The other thing is that there's, it's very, very, very rare that there's an overnight success mm. in in streaming. Like creators like Pokemon or Valkyrie or Courage or Shroud or Tim or any of these big names that we see, XUC, they've been added for years and years and years and years it is extremely difficult to show up and be consistent day on day week on week most people can't do it um and that's what separates people who make it from people who don't uh and they faced all the same most of them faced all the same challenges that you may have or you know like school or work or significant other or kids like a lot of them face similar challenges um you know david my my co-founder we're running a startup he has a YouTube channel with over 2 million subscribers. He's a Facebook channel with over 3 million subscribers. He's a kid. He's a husband. Um, he's a lot going on, right? And it, it is, and he puts out daily videos and streams for five hours a day. Like that is extremely demanding on a human. Um, most people can't do that. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, it's like you just show up and play video games is absolutely not true. Um, there's a lot of work that's going on behind the scenes. Um, and the, the other thing is that most content creators struggle to have a vision for where they want to go. Mm. And it's one of the things we try and help with in pipeline is what is your vision? Cause it's fine to copy people in the beginning, like repetition, you know, just like learn the ropes. Like I'm going to be the cost streamer that is like, it's fine to do that, but you need to as quickly as you can find out where you want to go. And know that you're not there yet, but iterate towards that. Um, and when we see that happen, there's like a confidence shift that happens in a new creator. And it gives me goosebumps every time where you can just see this change in a person where they're like, I know where I want to go. And then they become to this earlier point I made again, which is this obsession and this focus of I'm going to make that happen. I feel like it's already happened. <laughs> if you can, if you can feel that, um, that's someone I'm very optimistic about. That's man. I just hearing you talk about it gave me goosebumps just now. Just uh, it was it's it's insane when you see it click for somebody like that. They, be, they have that tunnel vision into that kind of like I'm going to make it no matter what kind of kind of personality, and it's just it's great to see. And so um, the resources you provide plentiful, right? So you you have a a background in partnerships. Paying off dividends, I imagine. Pipeline has connections with what? Corsair, Elgato, Scuff, Origin P PC, and off the top of my head, just a few. All providing kind of like discounts here and there to Pipeline members. What kind of response from members have you seen in regards to these partners? And I mean, what have your partners said in regards to the dividends they, they're seeing from these members? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the offset, our, our goal is to really enable and empower content creators, right? So if, if the, the brands themselves are excited because a lot of them, a content creator is their ideal customer, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a content creator spends thousands of dollars on hardware, right? So if they're getting their sit themselves in front of content creators, it's a big win, um, especially because we have thousands upon thousands in, inside pipeline. So the brands love that. Um, it's also an opportunity to offset the costs in the beginning because content creators have outsized costs in the very beginning, right? Whether you're buying the 
second monitor, the the camera, the lights, the microphone, um, whatever the desk is like. You're buying a lot more um, as as a content creator, a stream capable PC. And for us, we work with these brands to help offset some of those costs and lower the barrier to entry. So by joining Pipeline, if you're thinking of buying all your gear, you're saving hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. um, which more than covers the, the cost of your membership because you're getting all this hardware um, at the at the same time. So that's just our way of trying to knowing that the barrier to becoming a content creator can be quite high. We're trying to lower that and offset some of those costs. Mm, that's awesome. And so, I mean, a lot of successes coming up. I mean, the big one nowadays is, is obviously the, the tactical grandma you guys have. And, and, and she's, she, I've, I've seen a few of her streams and she's actually very entertaining, very good at what she she's does. A, Michelle's amazing. <laughs> she really is. It's, if you haven't seen one of her streams, see it just to kind of have an idea of what kind of talent you can expect from well just just from putting in the work and, and kind of dedicating yourself to your craft but i mean you know what's crazy she she started um joint pipeline in, in october 2019 um it was her first month of streaming and creating content she now has a million followers yep. on tiktok yep. two hundred thousand followers on facebook and is streaming to about 300 people every single day that's insane that's insane just just that level of commitment and, and at her age is just I, I think it's admirable i love it i mean besides her what other successes have you helped create in terms of streamers i know it's still kind of early on you guys are only two years uh, young but what have you seen kind of emerging out of your out of your i guess your 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 resources yeah so I can list off a number of, but we have, there's one guy, Brandon, um, I'd be Pala. He's fantastic. Seeing him go from working a nine to five job in Best Buy. And he is on the verge of going full time. Mm. Um, this is a guy who has been adamant about becoming a content creator, extremely passionate, but face that reality thing. That's really hard to overcome, which is I've got bills to pay and I have a stable job that pays me way more than content creation does. And over the last year, he was actually part of our scholarship program in, in the last quarter. And he is, on the verge of going full-time. Wow. Um, we have Max Rhymes, a, a guy that uh, he's on Facebook. He just quit his job to go full-time in, in content creation. Um, and he, he's at, he's got a wife and two kids. Um, he is incredible. Um, and it was huge for him to, to make that shift because an added benefit of that is he gets more time with his family. Um, mm-hmm. Now he's not working four years at another job. Uh, we had a guy called Iron Smithy on Twitch. He was, uh, he did, he worked for the Canadian Armed Forces. He did two tours in Afghanistan, came back and was doing a couple of odd jobs here and there, got into content creation and thought, well, this would be great if I could make it. Um, fast forward a year and a half, um, he is now a full-time content creator and he's getting to spend more time with his kid at home too. Those are real like stories and achievement. Like, it, again, it's not about being viral. There's a confusion about, mm-hmm. I need to have millions of followers. It is now possible for you with not a lot of followers to make a living doing what you love. Mm-hmm. And we want to create more of that. I mean, just off the top of my head, I, I know so many people who have, on average, you know, between 50 and 150 viewers every night. And they manage to make it work on, on, on a pretty decent salary, I might add. And, of course, we do other things on the side. But it's, it's like you said, it's, it's not about going va- viral and having millions upon millions of followers. It's just about being dedicated at it and having it, you know, doing it over and over and over until you see some kind of success where it can take over your, your career. Because let me tell you, man, this pandemic has taught me one thing. It is that there is not enough time I can spend at home after this job where I can say that, uh, this is, this is a great thing. And have that happen to a few of the people that you kind of had the chance to, to help develop and grow that they could have their own kind of work schedule that they can have more time with families that's awesome. I mean, from your own perspective, right? Creating a business dedicated to helping launch new careers, like 
how uh, on a personal level, how proud are you uh, of that? Like that's got to be like every day you wake up, oh, you're like, dude, man, it it's feels insane. Great. Every single day, <laughs> I my heart is filled, right? Because I, I get we get to. It's not easy. This is none of this is easy, right? No. But we get to wake up and make stories like that happen every single week, which to me is incredibly fulfilling. Oh, um, man. And we're just getting started, too. We're only two years in. No, for sure. I mean, it's still still young. So you guys are still have the potential for growth is out of this world. So I, I, I wish you guys nothing but, but the best. Of course, one last piece of advice that you can give for free for anyone looking to jump in, into this creative space. What's one all-encompassing like piece of advice, whether it's the mentality, whether it's the hardware, the way you go about things, what is one piece of advice you can give to anybody looking to jump into this creative space? Um, we all have different cards we're dealt um, in circumstances that happen to us. Everyone has something. Uh, don't let that hold you back. Um, mm. Make the most of what you've got. Um, and at the end of the day, hard work and, and, and focus um, will reap the rewards if you can stay consistent. Um, mm. But don't make excuses. There's, there's, you know, everyone has excuses. Uh, you don't have time for that. No, for sure. Short. For sure. For sure, man. I, that's, that's what I'm telling you to have. That's that hyper-focus you were talking about earlier. If you're not hyper-focused on it, you probably shouldn't be taking it seriously at all. But I mean, it's, it's a lot to, to take in for somebody who's looking to jump into space. And it's just it's a little bit of a leap of faith. You got to have faith in yourself and you got to have faith in what you're doing and kind of keep it going. But I just one very last question for you, because this is personally for me, because I grew up, I was watching you play that whole 2011 to 2015 was my my heyday, my early college years, my late high school career. I was watching you play a bunch of others play. I mean, do you ever miss the playing days or is this kind of like the new this is this is the, the peak for you right now? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. There's a lot I loved about it, like the travel, the camaraderie, the brotherhood um, that, that we had in that time. But this is a new arena, you know. I'm in, I'm competing in a new arena in a new stage, um, and a lot of the same elements are still true in pipeline. Um, like I'm fired up by what we're doing, and what's really cool is some of it's coming all full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the times we're working at Riot, we're we're getting to um, work with folks across the industry, which Again, it's a small world. Um, <laughs> so relationships are key. Um, I, mean, I would always keep that in mind. You're only going to get bigger. So those, those, the, the world will only get smaller for you. So <laughs> those connections yeah. you made five, six, ten years ago will end up coming back, you know, paying off to, uh, uh, fruition now. And so, I mean, to go check it out, pipeline.gg on Twitter at pipeline. I believe that's the socials for everything at pipeline. GG you yourself at Snoop, a, at Snoopy, yep. anything else that I'm missing anywhere where, where can everybody else catch what pipeline is doing? Uh, pipeline.gg is the best place. Um, you know, we're obviously on our socials as well. We have a podcast that we run where we bring in top content creators, um, too. So if you want to hear about their journey, not just mine, but lots of other content creators journey, um, you can find that out as well as the becoming a streamer podcast. Perfect. I, I caught the one with Z laner, I believe. And that was, that was a fun one to watch. And so that there's a bunch more there to, to, to grasp. We'll link in the podcast description below, but, uh, Steven, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And so, uh, I, like I said, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. I can't wait to see pipeline GG, uh, all over the headlines for the next, you know, five years or so. And that's kind of what I, the expectation I have for you is just to be on the headlines for for at least once a week, every week for, you know, the next five years going forward. That's my expectation. But Steven, again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. I appreciate you. And, and, and all the work you're putting forward is awesome. Kevin, I will try not to disappoint you on that one. Thank you for the time and, and, and giving me the platform today to tell you about my, my story. 
That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for all the time, just to give you guys a platform and and elevate not just yourselves, but everybody else. uh, You know, rising tide lifts all ships. So he's Stephen Ellis, co-founder, CEO of Pipeline GG. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. 